we're not a team that pretends to be together. A lot of times when things go well, every team is together and everybody feels good. And then when it goes bad, you know, you have guys start to go in, in separate directions and start to question, you know, what you've been doing. And I think when you really get tested, that's what shows real togetherness. You know, you get a chance to see are we really together, do we really believe in what we're pushing, you know, the direction that we're going in. And, uh, we had a lot of opportunities on this trip to go our separate ways. You know, even uh, Phoenix game, the first one that we won, you know, we played great and things kind of went downhill. We still found a way. We stayed together through the storm. You know, have a tough game the second one, then we come to Miami, add guys to the lineup, and get a big win. Go to Charlotte, guys out, you know, they have a big third quarter, we find a way to win. So just, um, I think the, the main thing I've learned is that, you know, we are we're really together. You know, do the good, the bad, the struggles, you know, ups and downs, especially over the course of the game. And that's a, that's a good sign, you know, for a team. Hey, Rip City, this is Justice Winslow, and it's time to open the briefcase with Casey Holdo. Greetings, Trippers fans, and welcome to The Briefcase. I'm your host, Casey Holdall, and that was Damian Lillard talking about what he learned on the road trip that the Blazers just got back from. Six-game trip, went four and two, two buzzer-beating wins, all against pretty good teams. A very good road trip. Would have been a great road trip if they would have been able to get their last game versus the Dallas Mavericks. That's a game I think they probably would have won earlier in the trip. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on this edition of The Briefcase. But before we get too far into it today, I just wanted to apologize for Mark for the lack of new additions of the briefcase on the last road trip. Was able to record one in Phoenix, was not able to record any time after that. Between the back-to-backs, the way the games played out, and the travel, just was not able to set aside the time to record. The way it used to work on road trips is that we would almost always leave right after a game for the next destination. Even if it was in the middle of the night, even if we were losing a couple hours, typically you get on a flight right after the game, head to where the next game is going to be played at, get up that next morning, have a day, and then play the game. But nowadays the team is really prioritizing rest, which makes a lot of sense. But the result of that is that we stay over a lot of times now rather than heading right off to the next location. And what that means is that the day that usually you would have to maybe put together some work, or in this case, record this podcast, is now spent traveling. So still trying to figure out exactly what the flow is going to be. I want to make sure I get you guys these podcasts from the road because there's not that many people traveling with the team anymore. I am out there. I'm seeing what's going on. I'm hearing what the players and coaches are saying, and I want to be able to relay that to you on this podcast. I just got to figure out a better rhythm. I'm going to get there, hopefully in time for this next road trip. Though the Blazers have a homestand to deal with before they turn their sights to the next road trip. Three games in Portland versus the Spurs, Nets, and Jazz. Day off in between each one of those games. Hopefully the Blazers have a time to heal up. Hopefully get some guys back in the lineup. We'll talk about the homestand a bit later, but for now, let's go ahead and get you updated on where the Trailblazers are at right now. It is Tuesday, and the Trailblazers sit at 9-4 as of this recording after 13 games, which has Portland in a three-way tie with two Northwest Division teams, the Nuggets and the Jazz, for first place in the Western Conference standings. Doesn't mean a whole lot to be in first after 13 games in the West, but it's better than being in last after 13 games in the West, so so shout out to the players and the coaches for that. Blazers are 16th in offensive rating, which is down from 12th last time we checked in at 111.6 points scored per 100 possessions, which puts them right in between the 76ers in 15th and the Knicks in 17th. They are 6th, though, in defense rating, which is up from 11th last time we checked, at 109.7 points allowed per 100 possessions, which puts them in between the 76ers in 5th and the Bulls in 7th. The difference between Portland's offensive rating and their defense's rating is their net rating, which as of right now is plus 1.9, which ranks 11th. They were 8th last time we checked in. 
On the betting front, the Trailblazers are 8-2 versus the spread this season. They didn't cover in either loss to the Heat or the Suns, but they have covered in every other game this season, including the 117-112 loss to the Mavericks in Dallas on Saturday, thanks to Anthony Simon's otherwise meaningless three-pointer as time expired in that loss. Blazers were 6.5-point underdogs in that game. They ended up losing by 5 because of Simon's three-pointer, so if you did have the Trailblazers in that one, maybe give Anthony an extra special cheer in the next home games or any of the home games here coming up, seeing as how making that three pointer assured the Blazers would cover even though they lost the game. And this is the point in the show where I remind you that this is not advice. I am just telling you what is going on in terms of the betting lines and where the Blazers are at versus the spread this year. I'm not saying you should be placing any bets. I will never tell you you should place bets. I will not give you information on placing bets. And those of you who send me DMs on Twitter all the time asking me for information can't help you out, guys. And I say guys here because they're always guys, by the way few pieces of news breaking recently. Small pieces of news, but they're still broken, so let's put them back together. The team assigned our good buddy Greg Brown III to the Ontario Clippers of the G League. Greg has seen little playing time this season, so hopefully he'll get an opportunity to show what he can do down in Ontario. But since Blazers don't have a G League affiliate, they have to send him to another team's affiliate, in this case the Clippers, hoping that they take the time to develop Greg and give him the minutes he deserves, because I'd love to see Greg be able to go down to the G League, get some minutes, show the stuff he's been working on, and then come back and maybe apply it here in Portland. There's a minutes crunch in Portland right now. There's a lot of players vying for a limited amount of time. So I understand sending Greg to the G League. I just hope Greg can go down there and have some success and then come back to Portland and show what he can do because I'm really rooting for Greg. Everyone on the team is. Greg is a beloved character on this team, a beloved person on this team, I should say. And I would love to see Greg come back and show that he's a rotation player in this league. Another little bit of news. People are always interested in uniforms, and uniform stories have actually done quite well for me over the years, so I figured it's worth mentioning that the Trailblazers released their new City Edition uniform last week, which is an homage to the PDX carpet. To quote the press release, the uniform has a familiar look to it with a black base and signature blazer sash featured across the chest, this time filled with teal and geometric shaped patterns. The City Edition uniform showcases the confidence and quirkiness that defines Portland as no other team or city would embrace an airport pattern to the degree the Portlanders have. That's a truth. The pattern with its bright teal base and unique geometric shapes represents the view of the north and south runways as seen overhead from the sky. The carpet's cult following grew, reaching local icon status as it became tradition for travelers arriving or departing out of PDX to take photos of their feet planted firmly on the colorful carpet to post on social media. Even though the carpet has been removed, people are still doing that with the new carpet, which actually still looks a bit like the old carpet. Also, it looks a little bit like the pinwheel as well, as I wrote in my story. And also, my understanding is that the old design of the PDX carpet is coming back in 2024 in the new terminal. And the most important information, those jerseys are now for sale at the fan shop and on Concourse C, where the team has a pop-up shop for the holidays featuring the PDX carpet uniform, which only makes sense to let people cop the actual uniform at the actual airport. Before we turn our attention to the three-game homestand, probably makes a little bit of sense to recap a phenomenal trip the Blazers just got back from. Six games, ten days, Blazers go four and two, defeat the Phoenix Suns without Damian Lillard thanks to a Jeremy Grant buzzer beater, lose the rubber match to the Suns, also without Damian, which you would kind of expect. Sweeping the Phoenix Suns would really be something, since Blazers did win the first game in Portland, though they did take the season series 2-1. Team stays over in Phoenix after the second game, travels to Miami, faces the Miami Heat, a team that bested them in Portland earlier in the season. Blazers win that one thanks to a buzzer-beating three-pointer from Josh Hart. Team takes the show to Charlotte to face the Hornets, has a bit of a rough patch at times, once again without Damian Lillard. They end up winning that game as well. Fly out right after the game to New Orleans with a tough back-to-back versus the Pelicans. Once again without Damian Lillard, they once again get that game. Entire team effort. Didn't have to actually get a buzzer beater that time to win it. One of their best wins of the season thus far. Fly out right after the game. Head to Dallas. Day off in Dallas. After a back-to-back. Face the Dallas Mavericks. 
go down by as many as 15, rally back, seem like they have a chance to win in the fourth quarter, just seem to run out of steam. Spencer Dimwitty hits three three-pointers in a row. Dorian Finney-Smith hits one as well. That pretty much does Portland in. So they head back off of a loss, but haven't gone four and two, which going 500 is a good trip. Going four and two is a great trip. If they had gone five and one, that would have been a spectacular trip. And I don't know that the Blazers have ever gone undefeated on a six game road trip in their entire franchise history. So I don't even know what you would call it if they had. But the fact that we're able to go four and two really says great things about this team, despite the fact that they didn't have all their players and their offense has not entirely clicked just yet. But their defense, as I mentioned earlier, has really come around top 10 in defense right now seems sustainable, playing good teams on the road, that defense has traveled, really portends good things for this team if they're able to play at this level on the defensive end while they, one, wait for players to come back healthy, and two, wait for their offense to kind of catch its flow. And since there were two buzzer-beating victories on that trip, and since the Blazers have already had multiple games this season in which players have hit go-ahead buckets late in games that weren't Damian Lillard, I figured it might be worth asking Dame what he thinks about other players on the team making these shots that are typically Damian Lillard's purview. How have you felt about other guys hitting those game winners? It seems like you seem to get a real kick out of it. It's different from when you hit one and when someone else hits one, and it almost seems like you're happier when someone else does. I mean... For me, I've done it so many times, you know what I mean? I think my very first game winner, my rookie year against New Orleans, like, I reacted the same way, you know what I mean? But then I just, I don't know, you know, I start, I expect to come up big in those moments. And it's not that I don't expect them to, it's just that not only have I made a lot of them, I've had a lot of opportunities, you know, to do it and be in that moment and miss, and miss free throws, make free throws, hit big shots, you know, miss big shots. I've done it. I've been in that situation so many times. And I've had success so many times. So, so for me, it's like, when I do it, it's damn near expected. From me and from other people, like, they expect it sometimes. And for a lot of my teammates, not only have they not been in that situation a lot of times, they haven't had the opportunity a bunch of times, you know, let alone be successful in those situations. So, like, I know what it feels like, so I get excited for them, you know what I mean? Like, especially knowing they haven't had these opportunities and, you know, been in these situations. I get excited for them because it's a confidence builder. It's a big moment. You know, every kid that plays basketball is, has counted down at some point and hit the game winner. So to do it is, a, you know, it's a rush. So I, I feel that for him. I feel that for him. Is that a sacrifice for you to allow other guys to, to do that? Or is it more just like, I don't care about it anymore? Because I, I know that and I know that you've always wanted to be in those situations. Well, I mean, I, I don't think it's sacrifice because I still want the ball each sure. time. And I was trying to get the ball against the Lakers. I couldn't get it. So Jeremy came up big. They tried to double-team me against Phoenix, and I had to make the next play, and Ant made it. And then last game, you know, I was coming downhill, and there was two guys chasing me, one guy shrinking out the corner, and that was just the next play, you know. So I just think it's making the next play more than it is, like sacrifice, like, all right, I'm going to let them have a the game winner this time, you know, because if I had some face, I was shooting it. You know what I mean? Like, if I got the ball against the Lakers, it was going in the air. Unless, they, unless the defense makes a play that requires me to – give it up I'm gonna I'm gonna take responsibility for that last possession so I wouldn't say sacrifice as much as it's been like just making the next play and being willing to make the play that's gonna give us our best chance do you think that now that other guys have had those opportunities and been successful that that might loosen things up for you in those situations or do you think that teams are always gonna rest, run three guys at you regardless I mean if I had to bet my money on it I would bet that they're gonna not let me have the chance to do it and say, well, you know, we'll live with if somebody else is going to make the game winner because 
I have a history of it, you know what I mean? And the history of me doing it is very real. It's not like, oh, you know, it's like I've done it on bad shooting nights. I've done it after struggling. I've done it many times. So I, if I had to bet my money, I would bet that <laughs> they're going to be like, we still guarding it this way, you know? So. So there you go, Damian Lillard's thoughts on other players and those game winners. And one of the reasons I wanted to ask that too is because Dame really seemed to really enjoy seeing other guys get those shots. And while, again, I know that that's something that he likes to do, and he even mentioned there that, you know, a lot of times he is still going to take those shots, but the gratification that he seems to get from seeing other guys have that success, one, is kind of who Damian is as a player and as a person, but also two, I think really shows his growth and his willingness to maybe take a little step back, even if he says it's not a sacrifice, in order for the team to really have have success going forward as a unit rather than as individuals. Really important stuff there from Dame, if you ask me. Turning our attention to the upcoming homestand, as I mentioned, the Blazers facing the San Antonio Spurs Tuesday, November 15th, then the Brooklyn Nets Thursday, November 17th, and finally finishing up with the Utah Jazz Saturday, November 19th, before heading out for a four-game road trip versus the Bucks, Cavs, Knicks, and Nets. All those games on the upcoming homestand versus San Antonio, Brooklyn, and Utah. 7 o'clock starts at the Moda Center. Tickets still available. Come out and support this team. They played well on the road. Come check them out at home. They're playing an exciting brand of basketball, playing defense. Every single night, a different guy seems to have a great night. Jeremy Grant has been an absolute revelation. Ant has really stepped up his game. Dame is getting back and healthy and getting his rhythm back after missing some time with that calf injury. On the injury front, though, not exactly sure who's going to be available for that one. I know Justice Winslow, who was out versus the Mavericks with a non-COVID illness is improving. Not sure that he's going to be ready to go for the game versus San Antonio. Same with Nurk. He was a game time decision versus Dallas. Didn't end up going in that one. So you would assume that maybe he might be ready to go versus San Antonio, but still TBD on that. But I would expect both those guys to play at some point in time on this homestand, but not necessarily the case for Gary Payton Jr. I know there had been some reporting the team was shooting for the November 15th for Gary to make his debut. My understanding is that that was never the case. They're hopeful that Gary's able to come back soon. Chauncey Billups talked to practice on Monday that Gary is making progress. Damien had mentioned that Gary is jumping into drills and into runs with the team, but just not to the point yet where he's ready to play in a game. And I don't know necessarily that that's going to come on this homestand. I imagine he's going to go out with the team on the road trip, just like he did on the six game road trip. And at that point, I think Gary might come back. This is just me reading the tea leaves and, and making some educated guesses. I don't think he's necessarily going to play in any of the three games on this homestand, but we'll see. And I would hope to see you at the Moda Center during this three-game homestand before the team heads back out again. I will be at those games, both home and away. We'll be spending Thanksgiving in NYC with the team, and thankfully my wife as well. So it's a great chance now to come out, check this team out, see how they're doing, debuting their PDX carpet jerseys on Tuesday. Tickets available. Come say hi on Press Row. And if you wouldn't mind, subscribe to The Briefcase. So that's going to do it for this edition. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back later on this week. I promise. Like and subscribe. Talk soon. Take care.